We'll read again for our text, the verses from our scripture lesson. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things, which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This morning, with God's help, we will be considering another Bible doctrine, we will be looking at the great white throne judgment. We'll consider this subject this morning by hopefully considering four questions. What is the great white throne judgment? When will it occur? Who will be there? And how can we avoid it? That fourth question is the most important one that we want to get settled in our hearts this morning. As far as what it is, you know, the Word of God lets us know that it is the final judgment. It will be a judgment against all sinners for all time. It tells us that time as we know it will end. It mentions that earth and heaven are fled away. Revelation 26 refers to it as the second death. John 5.29 calls it the resurrection of damnation. This differs from another judgment mentioned in 1 Corinthians when Paul speaks of the judgment seat of Christ. That is a judgment for faithful servants. And at that time, the Lord will hand out rewards for his faithful servants. This is not the same judgment. This is the great white throne judgment. John saw a vision of this, we read. said he saw a great white throne and him that sat on it. That symbolizes the purity and the holiness and the judgment of God. And it says that he saw the one who sat upon it. We know that that was, will be the Lord himself. Verse 12 tells us that all those present shall stand before God. So we know it will be the Lord himself that will sit upon that throne. Acts 10.42 says Christ was ordained of God to be the judge of the living and the dead. John 5.22, these were Jesus' own words. He says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So... Christ himself will be the judge sitting upon that great white throne. We see the awesomeness and the power of this judge. Verse 11 says that heaven and earth fled away from before his face. There was no place found for them. 
There will be no place to run or to hide or flee from the presence of this judge. It says that all who stand before the Lord on that day, every idle word will be taken into account. Every evil deed, every secret sin, those that thought they might have gotten away with murder, you know what? They're going to stand before this righteous judge. Even those sins that were maybe long forgotten. You know, there's no statute of limitations on sin. Unforgiven sin and unrepented sin will be judged one day and it will appear before this great judge. Nothing will get by his attention. So we know it is a very, very serious event. When will it occur? Well, we know we can follow the, the prophetic chain of events in God's Word. Of course, the next event that we're awaiting is the rapture of the church. We know that could happen at any moment. That will be a time when Christ comes back and catches away His bride and we're taken out of this old world. It says that uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who the saints who've died in the Lord throughout the ages, their bodies will be reunited with their souls in heaven. It says, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with them forever in the air. That will be the rapture of the church. It also tells us, it refers to that as the first resurrection. Blessed is he that hath part on such the second death hath no power. We want to make sure we're part of that first resurrection. Following that, we see, we read about the tribulation, that seven-year period where Satan and the beast and the false prophet will have free reign on this old world. The Lord will pour out His wrath and punishment. It'll be a horrible, horrible time. There'll never be a time like it before or after, and there'll be a huge loss of life. It'll just be a catastrophic, horrible event. We don't want to be there. At the end of that, we see there's this battle of Armageddon that takes place. Satan gets those that are left, I suppose, and they gather themselves together to fight against Christ and His people. At that point, we know that Jesus returns with those raptured saints. A battle takes place and the enemy will be defeated in his armies. And then Satan will be bound up for a thousand years. And that will usher in what we know of as the millennial reign, the 1,000-year reign of Christ. Jesus will set up His earthly kingdom. It will be a time of peace on this earth and prosperity like we've never experienced. Again, the saints of God will rule and reign with Christ. At the end of that thousand years, we read that one more time, Satan will be loosed. and will gather the armies together for one more battle, the battle of Gog and Magog, and they'll gather together against God's children one more time. This won't be much of a battle. It says that fire will come down from the Lord out of heaven and He will consume them. They'll be devoured. The devil will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone along with the beast and the false prophet. And it says they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then following these events, we come to this great white throne judgment. We see who will be there. Again, this is a judgment upon all of the sinners and the ungodly down through the ages. Verse 12 tells us that 
the dead, both small and great, will appear before that judge. Verse 13 says that all those in hell were delivered up. You know, a divine summons will go out from God Himself. We've probably all had times when we maybe received a summons in the mail to appear in court for some reason or another. We can usually postpone those or put them off. Some people may even ignore them. This is one summons when nobody is going to get away with not appearing. All those that are called before the Lord will be there. The sea will give up the dead. The graves will give up the dead, both small and great. It says the books will be opened and everyone will be judged according to their works. All those whose names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the eternal lake of fire. So again, we see this is a judgment upon all the ungodly and the unrighteous down through the ages. No one goes to heaven from this great white throne judgment. It will occur. I recall a story about a man by the name of Bert Olney. And he said for years he was a scoffer and an atheist, an unbeliever, and he made it his point to ridicule and persecute all the Christians in his town. He lived in a little small mill town. And one day the new minister uh, came to town. He was going to take the pastor to the church. And so this man determined that as soon as he could, he was going to confront this young minister and challenge him. Well, a few days later, he saw him on the street. And so he went up and he said, my name's Bert Olney, and I want to tell you, I think you're a phony and a fraud. I think the Bible is nonsense. I think the church is a false religion, and you're just doing more damage than good. What do you have to say for yourself? The young minister looked at him, and he just quoted a verse from Hebrews. It is appointed in a man who wants to die. After this, the judgment... This man said, I don't want to hear that. I don't believe the Bible. This is ridiculous. Present me with a reasonable argument. Again, that minister just said, it is appointed unto man. Wants to die. And after this, the judgment. This enraged this man, Bert. And he continued. He said, I don't think you're intelligent enough to offer a good rebuttal. Again, the man said, it is appointed unto man. Wants to die. After this, the judgment. This enraged this man so much, he spun around and he walked away and he said as he was walking across the bridge, there were some bullfrogs under that bridge. Usually they say ribbit. But he said all they were saying was judgment, judgment, judgment. Testify later after he came to the Lord, it was that thought of this judgment after death facing the Lord. It convicted him and the Lord condemned him. There is a time appointed in a man wants to die, and after death, the judgment. This is the judgment against all of the wicked, those that have turned their backs on the Lord. This is not a court trial. This is a court for sentencing the guilty. There is a judge. It's Christ himself. There will be no jury. There will be no defense lawyer. The verdict has already been handed down, and that verdict is guilty. The sinner is already under condemnation. This last judgment is a time for finalizing their fate. The souls of all of those who've died, who've been in hell for thousands of years, uh, will be called up and their bodies that have long decayed in the graves will be caught up and joined together. And there they will have to face Almighty God. 
This is a very real event. This will take place. Again, it's the final judgment for all sinners. It says, all of those, both small and great, will appear before the Lord on that day. You know, I thought about the different groups that will be there. You'll have the out-and-out sinners, the God-haters, the railers, the blasphemers, the God-deniers, the pimps and prostitutes, the sex traffickers, the murderers. Say, obviously they're going to be there. They're the out-and-out sinners. Those who shake their fist in God's face and deny His very existence. Imagine standing before the very one you've denied, having to give an account. But there's another group that'll be right alongside those. You'll have the self-righteous sinner or the moral sinner. Those are those who've down through the ages said, religion, the gospel, Jesus is for others that need it, but I'm good on my own. Many of them will be very respectable people. They'll drive nice cars. They'll have good jobs. They'll take care of their families. They'll get along with their neighbors. They might be a member of the PTA or a soccer mom. All kinds of people. Good people. Good people that you'd want as your neighbor. But the Bible tells us our own self-righteousness is as filthy rags. Those people who think they're too good to be saved or they're too good to be damned are going to be standing there in their filthy rags before the Lord. Titus tells us it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The only way we're going to get to heaven, not in our own self-righteousness, is by being washed in the blood of Jesus. It's through Christ's righteousness, nothing else. Someone said the worst badness of all is human goodness, especially when it's a substitute for the new birth. It'll be the self-righteous right along with the out-and-out sinner. Again, I thought of Brother John Clasper's testimony. He talked about how he was raised in a church home and taught the Word of God, joined the church as a young man and became a deacon. He said he never missed a service. Anytime the church doors were open, he was there. One day in Portland as an adult, many years later, as he was crossing the Burnside Bridge, he heard in a, a, a church service being held by the saints of the Apostolic Faith Church, and he heard people stand to their feet and testify. He said he heard the drug addict and the dope addict and the, and the drunkard stand and talk about how Jesus saved him and set him free and delivered him, and something stirred in his heart. He said he began to weep, but he thought to himself, that's good for them, but I don't need it. I'm a deacon in the church. God continued to convict him, and he said one day he realized being religious and being born again were two entirely different things. He said he could say he was a church member. He was a member of the Christian Endeavor Society. He even taught Sunday school. But he said there was no peace in his heart. He had a profession on his hands and no possession in his soul. And the Lord convicted him until finally one day at work he bowed before the Lord, the God of heaven, poured out his heart, repented, God saved him. He knew that time, at that moment, he could have stood before the Lord free from all guilt and condemnation. Of course, we know the hypocrite, the backslider, they'll also be present at this great white throne judgment. You have another group that will be there. 
They're not necessarily God-haters. They're not maybe even out-and-out sinners. or uh, They're certainly not self-righteous. These will be those that know they should be saved. They'll even know they need to be saved. And they'll have no intention of ever going to hell. And they will be determined that they will give their lives to Jesus someday. Someday. Of course, I'm talking about the procrastinator. Those that will put off what needs to be done today. Think about the account of Felix in the book of Acts. As Paul was called before him and he said he began to uh, give him a testimony of Christ and he began to preach about righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. And as Felix heard those words, it says he literally trembled. He trembled. The Spirit of the Lord was dealing with his heart. If he would have fallen to his knees, the Lord could have saved him. We would have read a much different account. But he sent Paul away. He said, go away, Paul, and at a more convenient season, I'll call for you. Nowhere in Scripture does it ever indicate that he was ever given that more convenient season. Satan will make sure there's never a convenient season. You may be here this morning and you know if you stood before the Lord today, you're not ready to meet the Lord. And Satan will just tell you, not today, not today. None of us are guaranteed that this will not be the last service we're ever in. We don't know that. We don't want to be among those who will stand before the Lord condemned, knowing that we put it off one day too late. So we know who will be there. All the unsaved throughout the ages, those who've died in their sins, the Bible says, all whose names are not written in that Lamb's book of life. But I want to end on a positive note. We want to recognize who won't be there. The redeemed of the Lord will not be there. All those whose names were found in the book of life will not stand before this righteous judge on that day. The raptured saints of God, uh, the bride of Christ, will have already have ruled and reigned with Christ for over a thousand years, will have received our glorified bodies, and will be free from the curse of sin. The saints of God will not stand before the Lord on that great white throne judgment. That's why it says, Blessed is he who has part in this first resurrection, upon whom the second death has no power. So how can we make sure we're not there? Well, get your name in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, a religious man, no doubt a good man, self-righteous, but he wasn't qualified for heaven. Jesus said, ye must be born again. He says, if any man hopes to enter the kingdom of heaven, he must be born again. You know, when you're born and you're given a name, your name is written down on that birth certificate. Well, in the same way, when you repent of your sins and you yield your life to Christ, you experience a new birth and your name is recorded in that Lamb's book of life. And we can keep it there by living holy and godly every day. We want to make sure that we have our name in that Lamb's book of life. Remember one old-timer said we can avoid the great white throne judgment by settling out of court. We don't want to do that. We don't want to wait 
and think somehow we can settle that account when we stand before the Lord. We need to do that ahead of time. Settle out a court. Hebrews 5.24 says, Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment. And some men, they follow after. The righteous will not be called into account of their sins because they've sent those sins on up ahead of time. We've heard others have been advised and sometimes in a court situation, they may be told to plead guilty and throw yourself on the mercy of the court and show remorse and maybe the judge will have some leniency on you. Maybe he'll commute your sentence to a lesser sentence. That may work in this life. But when you stand before Jesus, that righteous judge on that day of judgment... No mercy will be shown at that point. No defense will be able to be given. If you consider Christ has extended mercy and grace for thousands and thousands of years, Calvary's stream is still flowing. One day that stream is going to dry up. One day those books will be closed. That door will be closed. The day of mercy and grace will be over and then the books will be opened. What will the book say? Will your name be in that Lamb's book of life? The good news is you can throw yourself on the mercy and grace of the Lord this morning if you're not ready to meet the Lord. If you're not ready to stand before Him, you can settle that account this morning by simply repenting of your sins, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess... Our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus Christ is that one unavoidable, inescapable person in all our lives. We're all going to meet Him someday. Either you can meet Him as your Savior or you can meet Him as your judge. But He gives you an offer today. He gives you a choice. Come, receive that salvation that He holds out for you. Uh, The Lord can take all that guilt and that condemnation away and you can be ready to stand before the Lord. What a glorious day it's going to be when we can meet the Lord in the air with the saints. That's what we want to be ready for. We want to be part of that first resurrection. You can settle that account this morning. We're going to sing 486. Come and just cry out to the Lord. Make your peace with God today and God will bless you for it.